What's up, guys, and welcome to the Paint Bravely podcast. This podcast where you can find a little bit of encouragement, discover ways to make your hobby more fun, and most importantly, try and learn how to paint bravely. So, how have you been, Brent? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. What's new with you? Uh, not a whole lot. I think uh, I've been trying to sell my pool table this last week. Okay, how's that going? Not not the best. Um, I put up this listing, and I, I tried to make it really fun on Facebook. You know, like, a little bit quippy, trying to say, like, you know... Like, not uh, too many stains on the felt, stuff like, like that? Pretty much. Like, it's seen better days, but they've been good days, you know? Um, uh-huh. And I... I put up this whole thing of saying, like, you have to have a professional mover come in and move this. I'm not going to allow you to put a hole in my wall. And then I put this this caveat at the end of saying, you know, unless you're a contractor or a carpenter and also have beer. So are you giving this away for free? No, I'm I'm selling this for money. Um, So you're selling it and requiring that they have professional movers. Correct. And you're making jokes about the condition of the table. Yes, it's perfect. Okay. It's such a okay. good listing. But and you said you and you said you're having trouble with this. Like, yeah. Well, so I've had people. I've had people <laughs> who are interested. But like, I had these people come over the other day, um, and I was like, "You're you're gonna have a mover, right?" And he kind of didn't speak English very well, and he kind of was like, "Sure, mm-hmm. yeah, no problem, mm-hmm. whatever. I've got movers." And I'm like, uh-huh. "Okay, you know." So they get there, and it's like. This younger dude and two older dudes that that don't speak English, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. or like the younger kid did, um, but like the the table weighs six hundred pounds. Ah, it does yeah. it not disassemble? Can you not like take the legs off at least? Oh, you or? can, you can, but it's okay. a whole. It's like a whole thing. It's this whole system. You, have you to gotta like jack apart. it up and then take each leg <laughs> yeah. off. Like yeah, yeah. Well, because okay. there's there's a slate. That goes on a pool table, right? And like my table happens to be fairly nice, so mm-hmm. each there are three tablets essentially that make up. Yeah, or or you're thinking you just move the whole thing at once? Well, they were thinking they could just grab okay, yeah, okay. move the whole thing at once. And I had yeah, to four, explain four to them guys, four corners, yeah, yeah, two, three <laughs> dudes, like, <laughs> okay. and they're just like they come over to the table and they're trying to lift it. And I'm like, no, you you can't, you can't lift it. They're like, what do you mean we can't lift it? I'm like, you literally cannot. Like, you cannot carry 200 pounds a piece with a seven foot table. Is this um? Is this ground floor at least? It is, yeah, yeah. Okay. Although do you have a like step a, out the front. Do you have door. a big door? Do they have to turn it sideways to get out the door? Is it a straight shot? Like, what are we dealing? Well, with if here? you take it apart, it only takes two people to move a pool table. Okay. Um, but of course they didn't know that. So, you know, they, they ended up leaving and it Mm -hmm. kind of bums me out because like, I'm trying to get rid of this table, um, so that I can build a new studio. Ah, okay. I was going to say like, are you just not into pool anymore or what? (laughs) Like a pool table is a good thing to have around. I learned how to play Warhammer on a pool table. Well, and that's literally why I have the pool table. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Is to play Warhammer on. (laughs) Yeah. Because I don't really, I play a little bit of pool from time to time. Like it was, it was nice when we got it, but it was really for board games and, you know, Warhammer specifically. I just wanted a huge table in order to do that. And a pool table is a good way to go, but Mm -hmm. they're not easy to move. So, you know, 
there there are probably better options if you want to play Warhammer on a giant table. True, true. You know, if we had some sponsors or something, we'd tell you about the blank <laughs> foldable gaming table. The foldable uh, gaming table with extendable legs. <laughs> Uh, not today, not, not today. today. Like, no. uh, today, um, especially if you live in Nevada, like give Casey a call. He's got a pool table. It's in very true. pretty good condition and it's built solid. We know that. So it is very solid. <laughs> it is very solid. So is this the, is this the last thing holding you back from actually starting the studio? Is pretty much. The, yeah. Your last obstacle. Yeah. It's, nice. it's like, I have, I have two rooms that are, uh, right next to each other and mm-hmm. they're kind of like these long like double rooms which is really weird um the last owners built this weird extension onto the end of this house Mm -hmm. um one room has the room i'm in right now that's like a closet attached to the main room and i'm gonna turn that into two more rooms you know on the other side of my closet door um so that i can have a studio and there's just an extra room Um, and then all the stuff that's in the room right now is going to go where the pool table is that way I can kind of have a little more control, you know, over what's going on for YouTube and, you know, recording podcasts and whatever. Nice. But uh, that pool table is uh, is in my way. Yeah. So I found like right now for for my little recording area, I have a, a big table. It's a it's an old kitchen table that I refinished, but I have a big table for kind of the central table of my recording area and I can you know do my talking head bits it's where I am right now actually you know kind of talking across the table at the camera and I I really like having a a big table in my recording Mm -hmm. area can you can you not repurpose the pool table for that have you ever tried to like put a chair you know kind of in the middle of the pool table and like sit at it like like a desk kind of thing Um, yeah actually because I use it for for board games and stuff Okay. Um, more than pool, obviously. Uh, you know. <laughs> I'm thinking worst case scenario here, where you find zero more guys to come try to pick this thing up. Like, yeah. Like worst worst case, you cannot get rid of this thing. Like, could you could you find a way to make it part of your studio? I guess. I, like looking... I've been thinking about that. Like just to <laughs> just to expedite this process and get this studio going. It's like, do I pay someone to come in and take this apart, or do I try and do it myself? Throw a piece of plywood on top room. of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's, I mean, the thing is ridiculously heavy, and mm-hmm. I don't even know where to start. Like, the fact that the the slates are held together with wax, that was like, like, I watched the dude put it on. He, he took a torch and this big block of wax, and he, like, went over it and scraped it and went over it and scraped it and, like, made it perfectly flat. So it's this gotcha. whole thing, and I, I don't know if I can do it. Not that that matters for, uh, for playing war games at all. Right, right, but, right. But, right. uh, you know, for pool, I suppose. Um, yeah, I'm hoping to. I don't know. I'm, I'll have to think about that, see what I can do. Because <laughs> it wouldn't be horrible to have. Yeah, throw a piece um, of plywood that... on top of it, get yourself a nice, you know, flat surface, start fresh. Mm-hmm. Like, there's your there's your big man's desk right there. Like, um... <laughs> it would be a very large desk. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I don't know the dimension of a pool table. Maybe that's bigger than a piece of plywood. I don't know. But uh, no, eh. actually, it's it's barely the size of an actual Warhammer table. Like the oh, is it a, uh, yeah six by four? Like yeah, or, so or the the, uh, the surface table. So mm-hmm. okay, yeah. The, the actual uh, with the surface. with the pockets and the rim and stuff, it actually would be wider than a piece of plywood. Then the the overall width is wider than four feet, eh? Um, it 
is I think exactly four feet. Like, because I oh, have okay. a piece of okay. plywood that I put on top of it for playing Warhammer. Because the oh, the you don't even play. play you don't even play inside. <laughs> I can't. Oh, okay. I know. I okay. want to. <laughs> no, I am. Um... All of my early games of Warhammer Fantasy Battles were in my friend Mike's basement, and they had a pool table down there. And so it was, you know, the the Bretonians and the you know, oh, the knights man. and the archers and the goblins and the vampires all like <laughs> fighting around like one cardboard house and stuff. Like, yeah, <laughs> you can definitely play Warhammer inside a pool table. You know? Oh, but, for sure. I mean, when oh, I started, yeah. it was the, it was the same kind of thing. It was like, well, this is a large surface, and that's the best we're gonna get. <laughs> You know, we didn't even know. I don't even remember if I knew that there was a specific size. Yeah, the the felt is almost as good as a game mat, really. Like that's right. a that's not a bad surface to be putting your models on. That's all right. Yeah, it's but, not too uh, bad. It's it's nice and flat. They're not going to fall over. <laughs> anyway, I I wish you luck on your pool table situation. <laughs> well, thank you. I. I <laughs> I am genuinely excited to see what you can do with a new studio <laughs> space. You know, get you out of that closet. Have a yeah. You know, have a camera with a little bit longer focal length. Oh yeah. You know, gosh. we'll see what you can do, right? Like yeah, I, um, I think I'm most excited for that is having the space to have an actual depth of field. You know, ah yes, <laughs> like have the bouquet in the background. It's nice and blurry. You know, I've got the I've got the nice lights, like the tungsten lights and the color and stuff. But it's like. Yeah, there's no there's no room. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a stylistic choice. Actually, in my videos, I I like to have the depth of field having everything in focus. Sure. That's that's what I like. You know, you get you get my face in focus. One, it just guarantees that the face will be in focus if everything's yeah. in focus. But you know, also you get the background, you get the you get the cat sleeping on the shelf back there. That's, like, that's very that's true. <laughs> Speaking of which, if you are uh, listening to this on, on podcast services, we also put this up on YouTube. There's a video, and I can see both of Brent's cats right now, right sleeping now. right behind him. Now, uh, normally the way you edit these, you're going to have a little Paint Bravely logo. That's going to probably cover up Gordon, it, but that's yeah, all right. It's, we'll, uh, yeah. it's all right. It's all right. Just just. Uh, you want to see Gordon? You watch Goobertown Hobbies YouTube channel, and if you don't care there about you cats, you know, just just listen to this podcast on your phone. But um, exactly, some people just aren't cat people, Brent. And I understand that. And I understand that. But my wife is not a cat person. Okay, well, we tried once. We got a cat. It was miserable for her. <laughs> allergic, or she just hates? Nope, them? just hates them. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's just like, why does this cat have to knock things off the table? That's what that's what cats do. Yeah, isn't why? that funny? Why is that what they? Why? Yeah, that's hilarious. Like, I think it is. You hilarious. see how it? You see how it just st like stole your hair tie? That's yeah. hilarious. And then yeah. looked you in the eye, like it and ran off. Yeah, <laughs> she just can't understand. Yeah, yeah. I've always You're had right. cats. <laughs> a few years ago, I had a D and D game that was going on at my apartment, and one of the cats like got in the habit of knocking dice off of a table. <laughs> and so we actually used that cat for rolling dice for yes. a couple of sessions. Like, all right, roll an insight check. You like put a D20 in front of the cat where it's sitting <laughs> on the shelf there, like knocks <laughs> over, like you didn't see anything. You don't notice anything. Right. You keep walking into the dungeon. Like, <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> That's pretty great. That's like a, a nice outside force of like true randomness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
chaotic neutral, like rolling your dice there. Yeah. Well, speaking of like D and D and and board games and all this table talk, I suppose. Um, what do you think about Kickstarter, like minis and and board games? So. As I'm sitting here today, I haven't gotten sucked in as much as other people have with Kickstarter. Just a little. So just a little, just a little. So to date, trying to search my memory here, I think I have done exactly one Kickstarter where I've pledged money and sat there hitting refresh, 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 <laughs> and like rooting for all the uh, the unlocks and everything. Um, so, so far, I've, I've pledged money to... Uh, uh, artisan guild kickstarter for for a bunch of amazon 3d printed minis and i can see the appeal mm-hmm. like I, I can see why people do get sucked in because there are so many creative people with awesome ideas um that are putting stuff up on kickstarter and then the whole organization the way that you you know it's it, it kind of like ebay in some sense the yeah. the thrill of the hunt of you know putting down your money and then seeing whether you're going to get like a cool deal or not. Mm-hmm. And then, um, except, you know, once something is fully funded, it's like, Oh yeah, I'm going to get something cool, but I hope, I hope more and more and more people join in so that all these unlocks happen and I get even more cool stuff. And, um, you get kind of a little bit of ownership of it and you get really excited to see where it's going to go. And then, oh, look, there's another Kickstarter I could be back in at the same time while I wait mm-hmm. to see how this one's going to finish up. Like, I I understand how, how some people just accumulate piles and piles of uh, Kickstarter goodies there. Right. Um, yeah, I, I've done a few at this point, and, and it definitely feels like that kind of eBay feeling, like you're going to get something, <laughs> you know, and you're just like, mm-hmm. you know, stretch goal after stretch goal waiting for that end. Um I did the Dark Souls game, uh, board game, and mm. that was, mm-hmm. I think that was like three years ago now, and I just got the last shipment a few months ago. So right. that's a thing. <laughs> it takes years to get these things. So like this excitement right up Sometimes. Front. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least the ones I've done. I also did the uh, the Horizon Zero Dawn if you've ever played that game, uh, it was for uh, no. PlayStation. Yeah. No, it's pretty good. I've never, I never owned a PlayStation. Uh, I really? was, yeah, uh, it went for me. It went N64. That was my first platform. And then Xbox original. I did get a Wii and a 360 eventually. Um, didn't spend a lot of time on either of those, but, I'm, I'm more of a more of a PC, if anything. Um, oh, sure. Never ha- never had a PlayStation. Like, I I was around in in the early days. You know, I went to friends' houses who had PlayStation, and my memory was always all of the games were cars that had missile launchers that shot at other other cars. That was <laughs> just twisted that was, metal. <laughs> yeah, is that what? Okay, yeah, yeah sure. Um, in my mind, that's what PlayStation was, and also I hated the controller, so no interest. Very like, interesting. Oh, oh, good cars that shoot other cars and a controller that I hate. No thanks. You never um, got down on some so, Crash Bandicoot? No, it's just right over my head. No, not nothing. Did, does he have a car? I mean, I know he's a like a cartoon I mean, fox or whatever, okay, so, but did he have a car? Yeah, like, they they did do a uh, <laughs> they did do a, like a Mario Kart style 
uh-huh. like, crash uh-huh. racing. So, I mean, that that's a thing. You're not entirely wrong with the whole car combat PlayStation 1 era. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, So but, you know. So as this uh, podcast is going along, I wonder if, you know, my persona on the podcast is going to be the curmudgeon guy who, like, <laughs> who hates judges, like... Look at my <laughs> shirt, Brent. Look at it. Oh, look at that. All right. <laughs> Casey is wearing a PlayStation shirt. <laughs> <laughs> we learned some things today. <laughs> what, uh... One of one of the earlier episodes that we recorded, like I was talking about how I had no interest in the Avengers and did not care at all. And <laughs> Avengers and war, who cares? Like Spider Man's gonna be fine. Get over it. Like uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna leave that one hanging <laughs> for the comments. <laughs> uh, this episode, uh, Brent, no interest in PlayStation. Right. Um, yeah. What? So PC elitist uh, guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, that's. That's kind of where I did settle after after sure. all the years went by. Like, yeah, PC elitist, sure, sure, sure. You know, yeah, I did a lot. Uh, of, I did a lot of that too. A lot of PC gaming. Yeah. You know, it can play better video games for cheaper, and uh, also do word processing. So yeah, right. yeah, I'm a PC elitist. <laughs> like, yeah, you got That's me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you can uh, you can record a. Uh, can you record a podcast on your uh, PS uh, four or five? I, I don't. I don't know. Maybe, probably not easy. I'm trying to think. Uh, you can Skype. So technically, okay. Can you edit audio files on your place? It's okay. It's all right. All right. <laughs> we're getting in deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moving on. Uh, we were <laughs> Anyways, talking about mini Horizon mini Kickstarters. Yeah. It's a video game. <laughs> uh huh. On the PlayStation. And, and, Continue. Yeah, and there was a Kickstarter for a board game, and the minis are really cool. And I think I I got that like a year ago. And there, there's barely been any updates, so probably not going to get minis for that for another couple of years. But you know, so I, I'd yeah. say it's a pretty crappy thing about Kickstarters, but they are extremely exciting, and you That's, get um, a lot, a lot of stuff with them. Yeah, like I said, I've I've only done the. Uh, 3d print kickstarter so far where that's an stl file and depending on the company some of them have like the files ready to go and so the like the one kickstarter i've done was actually really fast delivery but i have heard you know all these stories about Mm -hmm. you (laughs) the kickstarter is funded you pay your money you forget about it for a year or two at a time every once in a while you're like hey i wonder how that's going or like Mm -hmm. did they (laughs) Is that money gone forever, or am I going to get something in the mail, or should I update my address on this thing, or uh, yeah, you know what's going on? But and then and then yeah, you hear about people who slowly start to get things trickling in, like mm-hmm. you know two two years after they they cared about the item. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is it worth it? At that yeah. Point, so I, you know? I wonder. I wonder in that experience, like how many people are excited and as excited as they were when they first committed to to fund the the yeah. game or the minis or whatever or and how many people are just like ugh, you know horizon yeah. dawn like i i play imperial guard now what am i gonna do with this <laughs> like, yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> i don't know i switched armies this means nothing <laughs> to me <laughs> yeah yeah this isn't a brood lord like what am i gonna do with this <laughs> um Oh man! Or or, yeah, and, and you or get, just throw it in the pile. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, throw it in the pile. Exactly. What I was gonna say is you you start to 
accrue these piles of minis that you kind of care about, you know, and then the next new thing comes along or the next Kickstarter. And then all of a sudden you get another 20 boxes of miniatures. And I guess that brings (laughs) up the question is miniatures don't take up a whole lot of space. They're very small. Why is it that everyone that is in this hobby, or at least the majority of people like can't find enough room for well, this hobby. I'd say, you know, before we get on that, like board games do take up a fair bit of space. They do. Like, yeah. um, and a lot of, a lot of the mini Kickstarters, not all of them, but like, I, I suppose like the bones Kickstarters, I think those are just like bags of primed minis. Uh, sure. <laughs> I think that, I think those can, like, I, I haven't participated in one of those. Like I, one of these days I probably will get in Just on a bonus have, Kickstarter like, run. A bunch of yeah. random stuff. Partially that, partially just for the experience. Like there's yeah. some of some of these things are like big enough um in, in our culture, like, oh you've never you've never been in on a bones Kickstarter? Like those are <laughs> you know, they're exciting. Like they're they're part of the culture at this point. And there's right, some things right. you just gotta do. Like Everybody should go to Disneyland once in their life. Like everyone should uh, do a Bones Kickstarter. Like, um, and my understanding is that those pack down pretty well. Like you get a box mm-hmm. with like bags of minis, but if you get like a board game or something, that's a that's a big rectangle, yeah. and the actual minis take up maybe ten percent of the box. That's true. You know, de- depending on the box. Um, and then, you know, you got your your tokens and your board and your rules and your other packing material and then the box. Are they a standard size box? You got a lot of boxes there behind you. Are any of them the same size? Do any of them stack neatly on top of each other? That would be a no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, so kind of on, uh, staying on the subject of Kickstarters for just a second longer yeah. here, like um, I'm also... Uh, just not a big board game player. And for me, that's, I am resistant to learning new rules. Right. And that's, yes. that's just me. I don't know if it's like a, not a learning disability or something, but like, <laughs> I, I don't, I, I, I have a hard time focusing on like learning a new rule set. It doesn't capture my attention the way it does for other people. Um, yeah. And so, and so in something like Warhammer, like when a new rule set comes out, you got your, What's the what's the new 40k uh rules expansion? Uh Psychic Awakening? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Like for for me, like I have no interest in keeping up on all of the plus ones and minus ones that right. come along with something like that. And oh, this gets a re-roll now. Um and that's that's <laughs> you know, one of the reasons why I um not involved in competitive play or anything, like all mm-hmm. the the subtleties of rule systems don't hold a lot of interest for me. For me, it's it's like the minis. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and I'd probably be more interested in some of these Kickstarter games if they had like the just the minis options. Or like I think I see like a Gloomhaven box behind you. Oh yeah. Like if I could buy just the minis, other other than very expensive eBay options, mm-hmm. if I could buy like just the minis from a game like that. I personally, I'd be much more interested in that. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe I'd paint the minis and maybe I'd get so attached that I actually would be interested in, in learning the game or something. But, uh, if we ever, if we ever get to hang out 
in person that's not necessarily <laughs> at a uh, a convention. Um we should play Gloomhaven. Okay. It is it's one of those like it's a big box weighs like 50 pounds, miniatures mm-hmm, mm-hmm. crap everywhere. Um mm-hmm. not very hard to play. Yeah. 5 minute explanation. Nice. So it- Okay. That's good. That's good. Um, now that so you one mentioned of the con- it, though, it's like, I'm, now I'm going to try and get you to play something. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I respect it. I, you know, enjoy the challenge. Uh, every For the last couple of years, I've been going to Gen Con, and I really enjoy it. I, I love the, the convention of, mm-hmm. you know, tens of thousands of nerds in one place, and some of them are dressed up, and there's games everywhere, and there's minis everywhere. Like, I really mm-hmm. enjoy Gen Con. And walking through the vendor hall is a crazy experience because you get to see just how many games are out there, how many different minis are out there. Yeah. And something kind of funny, though, is like every time I stop at a booth and like, oh, what's this mini? This is cool. (laughs) And then the, you know, the show rep or the sometimes even like the game designer is telling me like, yeah, this. So this game is set in an alternate 1600s (laughs) universe and it's it's a it's a skirmish game. And uh, what you got to know is, though, the Dark Wizard took over, uh, you know, what in our world would be called Spain, but in their world, it's called uh, the Necrohive. Yeah. (laughs) And and I'm just like, don't care. Like, do these lizards have feathers? Like, that's awesome. (laughs) Uh, I I feel that exactly. It's like I get that enthusiasm. I understand it. And I get that you want to share this whole thing. Like, nothing interests me less than somebody being like, but you see, it's alternate history, and it's set in here, and this is what this is. And it's like, I really don't care. And there's, like, I mean, there's all. good, there's good fantasy out there. There's, uh, there's good stories out there. Yeah. Um, but, but something that goes along with. is tough. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this is a mechanical game. Like, there are mechanics involved. And you're trying your best to, like, mimic things that would be done in this fantastical world. And 99% of the time, it doesn't come across the way you think it does. Unless you're just so in your head about it that it's awesome. Like, Dungeons and Dragons takes imagination. You're trying to take some of that out by putting mechanics into a board game. You're going to lose some of that, like, feeling. So I think that's an interesting point about like Kickstarter board games. Yeah. So there you know all of these creative people have ideas for for games and for minis that they want to get out there and you know spread the good word and make some money and I respect that but each of these board games you know does have to have a unique rule system and yeah. a unique lore to to get it to sell and to have some identity and probably some legal reasons. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But then, but then you do end up with all of these pseudo fantasy lore sets and all of these, you know, pseudo fantasy worlds. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure some of them are interesting if you can get into it. But just the kind of the right. way that every game has to have some some made up lore, and <laughs> I'm sure yes. some of them have like a lot of effort put into that. You know, some really creative people spending time on it. But but for me a lot of this hobby is just about the minis for me. Yep. So, um, and, and I understand that 
to kind of give those minis context. You need to have a lore system. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with all these small companies, they have to make their own lore system. They have to make their yeah, own there's ID. No, there's no and unifier. So, you know? Yeah. Um, and so in some ways, that's like a... You can see it as a pro and a con to Kickstarter and kind of having this more open-sourced game creation is you get so much new IP and some of it is just the bare bones to explain the rule set they want. Mm-hmm. Some of it's really in-depth that the creator loves, but most other people just can't get into. Yeah. And that's um, you know, the the Warhammer 40K lore and, and fluff has always seemed like kind of silly to me, but <laughs> it's impressive that there's so much of it and it's become like a, a pillar of the of the nerd community or, or whatever you want to call it. Like it's yeah, it exists. It exists on its own. Like there are I think there is like Wikipedia pages for like mm-hmm. the, the God Emperor and stuff like on right. actual Wikipedia. Like or certainly like Lord of the Rings fantasy. Like, yeah. Like I think I think like Aragorn probably has his own actual Wikipedia entry. I could be wrong about this, but like there, right. um, there are some lore sets that are so established in the culture that yeah. you know they take on a life of their own and they have real weight and importance to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have a Kickstarter game where you know um, two people spent uh, a couple of years of their life really working hard on. And they had to real quick scribble down where the dwarves in their game came from. Right, exactly. Uh, they're they're miners, but they're miners from an alternate right, Cuba. Like what, what from, kind of twist we, alternate Cuba? <laughs> uh, no, yeah. Alternate Scotland. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta you gotta have something. There's gotta be a catch to your dwarves if they're not different from you know other fifty billion versions of dwarves like. I mean, even even right. uh, Games Workshop did that with the whole squi- Sky Dwarf thing, you know? Oh, of course, of course. Which and I freaking love, by the way. So the Games Workshop stuff, again, because it has so much, uh, like, momentum and inertia, yeah. like, eventually their stupid ideas do start to make sense in my head. Right. I don't know if it's uh, repetition or brainwashing or whatnot. It's, it's brainwashing and just being hit in the head over and over. Over and over and over and over. the same stuff like, no, nope, yeah. this is real. Yeah. This is still yeah. real. No, 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 the gene seed. Like, the, yeah. yeah the... <laughs> well, like, this Age of Sigmar's existence in itself threw people so hard and they just didn't stop and now it's the thing right like right that it's there man that's that's definitely a whole podcast topic if you want it to be (laughs) the death of warhammer fantasy (laughs) well yeah i mean i remember uh a couple years ago like i found out about the death of warhammer fantasy um just as i was getting back into the hobby So, you know, had the had the long hobby break and I was getting into it like maybe six months after Warhammer Fantasy had died, something like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I remember going into a game store to buy some colors. And of course, of course, the first thing back I was painting was Dark Eldar Warriors. But I was buying some I was buying some like bright, fun colors. And I go go to the cash register. I check out and, you know, the guy sitting there says like, oh, I painting some lizard men or whatever. I'm like. Man, I I wish, right? Like, rest in peace, lizard men. Like, oh yeah, uh, no, these are for dark 
the Dark Eldar is like, no, no, you can still play Lizardmen. Like, they're, they're still here. Like, nope, they're they're not. Sorry. And, of course, now I've, like, bought more <laughs> more Seraphon and, uh, and I'm ready to go. But there's newer stuff coming out. Like, they're, I mean, over the last year or so, they've been teasing it. Um, yeah, there's definitely new Seraphon stuff. Like, there's new there's new rules there's a few new pictures mm-hmm. there's a new uh temple piece of terrain like a you know mayan pyramid kind of thing yeah um i don't know if there's any actual new dinosaurs coming out i don't know it'll be cool if there are i'm sure like for uh underworlds that they'll they'll have some lizard men eventually that'll be cool yeah but but yeah like on this topic like any any crazy thing that Games Workshop does, any stupid, <laughs> stupid lore that they decide to put into their canon, yes. they have they have the strength to make that work. Yeah. They, they have the strength to say, no, 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 these are these are memories of dinosaurs with lasers on their back that are brought <laughs> back by toad people. And from space. <laughs> and it from space. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the toad people have been fine in space for a while and and I haven't even read this lore. I'm just like through osmosis, like I'm aware right, of what's yeah. happened. Like and like, yeah, that's silly, but like it it sets in because Games Workshop has the the reach and the size to do that. Yeah. And so any stupid idea from the world from the you know Warhammer universe or 40k universe oh. eventually becomes like, okay, all right, yeah, I guess that makes sense in context. Like Somehow. all right, you know what? <laughs> Now, now that I think about it, like after a couple of years of kind of incubating in the brain and getting hit, uh, you know, over and over and over with the the gene seed needs to be recovered from the fallen warriors. Like, yeah, yeah. OK. All right. That that makes sense. Like they they can't grow that organ anew. Like, yeah, they, they only have so many of those organs that they can transplant <laughs> into their brother warriors. Like, yeah, OK. Yeah, you, when it comes down to it, you need an apothecary to, to do that work. And you know, it's course. not a glamorous job, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Somebody's um, gonna do it. <laughs> somebody's gotta do it, yeah. And I think there's only room for so much of that like crap in your brain. Like there's at some point you oh, just yes. stop like, okay, I don't need any more like <laughs> That's why somebody I don't comes need any more fan and fiction on to this. Tell yeah. me and I'm just like, I can't, dude. Like I can't yeah, put yeah, yeah. more in. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um but yeah, so this is set in a, you know, an alternate 1500s where like monsters come out from the bottom of the sea, like cool. Yeah. Um, That's great. Yeah. And, and, and I understand <laughs> why, cool. you know, these, yeah, like, uh, you know, these are, these are cool minis. Like, yeah. And see, this one's the leader because he, no, like, because. yeah, he's, he's got a cool hat. Like I got it. Yeah. Like that's, <laughs> that's like, that's like when you're like, 10 years old talking Lego, like, see, this one's the best because he has a hat. This one over and here. I understand is why this has to exist. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But it, I mean, it's that like child. I, I don't know. There's there's an innocence about it, like this childhood innocence of like you're just so excited about this story, and everyone else is like, "That's great." That's and, and I don't great. think. And I fully expect that like some of the stories for these smaller games are actually pretty cool. Oh, I'm and sure if they, they are. And, yeah. and if they had the weight of a medium or larger sized company backing them yeah. up yeah. and creating a black library for you know this smaller game, I'm sure a lot of them would be 
better works of fiction than they you probably know, some of this games workshop insanity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think most people probably could do better than space dinosaurs, I, but I think so. yeah. GW has the marketing and the yeah. just, just sheer inertia to make space dinosaurs <laughs> like, yeah, this is a thing. Yeah, that's crazy. That's what makes it cool. Like, they have an and then, resolve. all right, all right, it's cool. You got it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh man uh the the iron resolve like publish publish the video on space dinosaurs uh-huh. turn off the comment section and space dinosaurs <laughs> yes. are out there oh they they totally turn off the comment section they're like oh, we don't oh, yeah. care what you think this will happen it's already in motion and you can't stop it <laughs> yeah yeah and that works for them like it yes. uh they can pull that off um but yeah it just just when i'm walking around looking at all these small games like you know i get drawn in by the minis mm-hmm. and and like when i'm me personally when i'm looking at a game like i am pretty much assuming that i'm going to be throwing out the board going to be throwing out the rule set right. going to be checking the tokens right in the bin and unless maybe they're made out of plastic you might make some like terrain out of them or something sure, but yeah. Yeah. um for for me, when I'm looking at a box game, it's like how many minis are in here, and mm-hmm. what's the MSRP of this game, and uh, yeah. and how many of those minis do I want to paint? That's that's yeah. kind of what I look at. Like, um, well, in that case, I would say that yeah. most Kickstarters not worth it. Oh, okay, all right. Uh, good to know. Good to know. Yeah. But there, <laughs> there's, I mean, so there's the board game Kickstarters, and then there's like uh you know 3d printing kickstarters and then there are like the, the like just selling minis sure. yeah 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 um so maybe maybe that's why i've been a little bit more immune is because i i don't get sucked into board games in quite the ways that that some people do yeah, uh, yeah. and again that's that's not because i'm better than anybody it's just because i like hate learning new rules <laughs> and so and so like, i don't have that uh that attraction i don't have i don't have the ability to love uh new board games in the way that some people can can get sucked in but yeah uh, no we're all we're all different in that in that manner anyways like some people build computers in an old imac and uh uh-huh uh-huh some people read friggin board game rules for days just to try and figure out yeah (laughs) yeah everybody can get sucked into their own thing and that's what makes hobbies great and like yeah finding finding something that you're passionate about and that does suck you in like that is is a good thing as long as it doesn't result in you spending like hundreds of dollars a month on kickstarter or right and it i mean they they get real expensive i mean Mm -hmm. like you think you're getting all these stretch goals and it's real cool but it's like no you're still you are still paying for that so if you like like ever so have you ever gotten in on kingdom death or any of the of the really premium stuff like um um, not i i mean i wish i was around for kingdom (laughs) death um well still they're still constantly pumping stuff out as far as i understand yeah i mean i've seen i've seen what it does to people (laughs) okay um as much as i want those minis like i don't know if i could do that to myself um yeah even even just doing the dark souls one which has a lot of minis like I don't mm-hmm. I don't know that I'm ever gonna paint any of them. Like I have any. too many minis and not enough time. Um 
Yeah. Yeah, there's just there there are just so many, and some of them are really cool. But then I have to ask myself, like, well, why am I even painting this? Like, I've I've played the game. I played it once. Okay. You know, and it was fun. But you sat uh, down there. You learned a rule set. You played one game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then waited yeah. for the rest of the minis over the next you know year and a half, <laughs> and uh-huh. they finally just got here. Um. Well, cool. Yeah, but now I don't know what to do with them. <laughs> I just so, have them. So are you like pro or con Kickstarter? Where are you? Where are you feeling? I think that that for a majority of people, it's it's a con. It seems like it's a cool thing and it's super fun to do. But Mm -hmm. the fact is that like and specifically for a board game, right, with minis, um, you're probably not even going to be interested by the time you get them. Um, Like this Horizon Zero Dawn thing, like. I'm hoping I'll still be excited, but I don't think so. <laughs> um, and I, I really like the idea of the 3D printed ones, though. It, like, if you have access to a 3D printer, I think that's an awesome way to go. It's kind of like uh, 3D printer Patreon accounts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get that like monthly reward. Yes. Yeah, and that, those are things that I'm definitely a part of. Um... I have a couple of resin printers now and I do enjoy using them. I kind of lay dormant for a couple of weeks at a time and then I'll spend a couple of days printing out as much as I can. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of awesome minis and bits and, uh, greebles, I believe they're called like little, just little bits you can put on stuff. Yeah. (laughs) It's a old black magic craft. Jeremy calls them greebles. Like when you get, uh, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, print off an air conditioning unit that you can stick onto the side of your right, building or, okay. a, or a ladder or um, a little yeah. control panel or something like that. Yeah, greebles. Um, so, yeah, there's there's definitely cool stuff on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of my feeling is that I uh, I feel lucky to be not be sucked into it, I guess. Yeah. I feel lucky to be a little bit uh, immunized because I don't enjoy learning new rules. I don't get sucked into the the lore of new games as easily. So if, if it's kind of like a three-pronged attack of rules and lore and minis, it's <laughs> only the minis attack. that pull me in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, feel, I, feel like you, I feel like if you're susceptible to two out of the three, then you for might sure. be into like some real trouble. Yeah. Um, for me, it's just the minis, and I am trying to get better at not buying more minis because I already have such a pile right. that, it, that it is becoming slowly but surely easier for me to not buy a set of minis because i have such a backlog at this point which you know it's it's embarrassing that i have that backlog but it is starting it well it can be sometimes it's stigmatized as like a bad thing to have a ridiculous backlog but but at least i think it's starting to stabilize because the the sheer mass of of minis to paint backlog is starting to slow my purchasing habits that, right yeah i can see how starting that, that to would at help least you yeah. a little bit yeah yeah um yeah so you yeah like you said you have a backlog um how do you store all that stuff like how big is it i guess you know just put you on the spot it's big i mean it's it is almost certainly thousands of minis probably you know yeah. a couple of thousand probably 
and it's it's big enough that I can't put it all on a table or two tables at a single time. It is in many different boxes. Like over over time, I have started to get a little bit better organized, and so like the the volume of backlog hasn't gone up too badly for me mm-hmm. uh, because I because I've been better at like condensing the minis and the bits uh, into uh, smaller trays. <laughs> <a> smaller, <laughs> I was going to say smaller trays, but it ends up being like the same amount of space, but just getting more and more and more into the same amount of space. But I've been better at condensing uh, my supply into a, a, a space that hasn't grown too much. Yeah. And I, yeah, I do actually think I have some systems that I like for, for condensing minis and stuff. But at this point I have a giant backlog. It would be, it would be a true test to try to, you know, spread it out and evaluate it or try to get a census or anything on my backlog. Um, I generally know what I have. Like if I, if I have a hankering, yeah, like, um, do you wanna do you wanna paint a savage orc? Like I have savage orcs. I know basically where they are. Like let me let me go see what I have for savage orcs and maybe start on that project. Yeah. So it's I'm not at a point where I've forgotten about what I own. That's good. I uh, right. <laughs> it's it's still it's still mostly organized in my mind. Like I'm not I'm not at risk of like accidentally rebuying something that I already have. But I know some people are like at yeah. that point and beyond. Like. Ah, uh, I, I already had more of these things. I don't know where they are. I can't find them. <laughs> Just buy more, <laughs> or or literally forget that they bought right, them exactly. two years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What do you do when you accidentally buy the same army twice? Because <laughs> you forgot you had them. <laughs> oh, I enjoy the uh, the independent characters podcast, but sometimes those guys like that's a. <laughs> That's a serious thing that Carl talks about, like finding oh, no. finding a Forge World model that he had forgotten he purchased or something like <laughs> Some that. Stupid but, expensive model. It's like, oh, that's where that went. <laughs> well, the thing here is, is that day is coming. I yeah. someday, someday that will happen, and all of a sudden I'll be living in a new world where, like, oh, I can actually forget that I own something right, yeah. and rebuy it, or or like open a drawer and like. What's this? Like, I didn't think I actually bought this. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so my collection, uh, I've been, I w- wouldn't say I've been playing Warhammer for 20 years, but 20 years ago I got my first Warhammer minis mm-hmm. and, you know, some breaks in there. And then when I came back to it as, a, as an adult with some purchasing power with modern eBay, modern... Uh, you know, Amazon Prime shipping and you know, yeah, that don't all of you. the yeah all of the modern amenities. Yeah, so I got back into it as as an adult with some purchasing power, and I did what uh, not quite adults do. I don't know. Like I, <laughs> I don't want to say I did. I, I did what adults do, and I bought hundreds of dollars of minis. Like no, I, <laughs> yeah, I'm an adult now. I buy what I want. <laughs> I did what children with an adult's credit card do when I bought. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I, you know, over the last several years, I've, I've bought a bunch of new minis. I've bought a bunch of, a bunch of eBay auctions that looked like a pretty good deal. And I've had a a couple of serious Craigslist hauls. And 
one one of them in particular was a was a Craigslist auction, and it was out middle of nowhere, New Hampshire, which for me was like a two or two and a half hour drive, like out of my way from in a direction I would never go otherwise. (laughs) And it was a it was a Craigslist auction with no pictures just said like got a got a couple of boxes of warhammer stuff out here 200 bucks i'm like yeah we'll give it a shot and it ended up being like like six or seven like real like boxes like yeah yeah like like big totes and um it it was from a, a gamer who had unfortunately passed away and his family was getting rid of his stuff and and unloading and but it filled my car with <laughs> with Warhammer stuff, and that was that was kind of a white whale kind of day. Like it just I, I uh, don't think that happens to very many people very often. It it doesn't. I mean, it's it's the dream. It uh, and this happened before I started my YouTube channel or anything, right. and it was both like I now have unlimited bits and and projects to last me the rest of my life. It cert you know it clearly last these projects lasted beyond this person's life. Yeah, yeah. Um, I am inheriting his projects, but it, it was an interesting moment of before that day, I had a backlog that I could realistically complete in my lifetime. Yeah. And after that day, <laughs> after that day, I, I mean, it's a really interesting transition. Like now I it have is. a backlog that I can never complete. Well, that someone um, else couldn't legitimately complete in their lifetime you know short correct. as it was but correct correct you know it yeah. says a lot <laughs> and yeah so i did go through that and you know cleaned a bunch of the stuff and condensed it and i did throw away you know some old boxes and clipped some sprues and got rid of the sprues and like i did i was able to condense that but it was still i at this point my backlog is probably more than i can do in a lifetime yeah Probably. I mean, like I could, <laughs> unless you focus. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I could, you know, devote myself to some monk-like existence of painting minis with like a very strange life goal of completing my life's work and this other gentleman's <laughs> yeah. life's work. And Man uh, secludes himself you know, from society like, to finish backlog. <laughs> I'm painting for two now. Like. <laughs> <laughs> And, but but short of that, short of that, uh, at my current rate, no, no, I will, right. I will never, never finish that backlog. And and even even if someone's backlog is only like a couple of boxes of minis, for most people who are actively involved in the hobby, it just is the case. Most people do buy faster than they paint. Yeah, for sure. At least most people with like a credit card with a. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> a reasonably healthy credit card yeah healthy yeah uh, a credit card that isn't being declined like <laughs> is that yeah <laughs> it's healthy enough <laughs> healthy enough yeah to buy um, more minis sure it might right. be 20% a month on that but you know whatever it's worth it even though you're not going to paint it for another year yeah <laughs> i mean if you're involved in the hobby like you've and, and you're listening to this podcast you heard casey and i talk about lizard men and seraphon a few minutes ago you mm-hmm. heard us talk about dark souls minis like you're when we mentioned those words for a brief moment you thought about "Ooh, would i like to paint some dark souls minis would i like to paint some lizard men what color would my dinosaurs be yeah. and so 
you know, even if you're listening to this podcast as you are painting one figure, it crossed your mind buying a box of lizards. Like that (laughs) space lizards with lasers. That's a real thing. Yes. Yeah. You know, I've heard rumors that they're kind of moderating the lore a little bit. So now they're not dream lizards anymore. You know, I haven't read up on this, but eventually the osmosis is really going to penetrate and I'm going to understand like why they're no longer dreams of lizards of the past, but they're actual space lizards from the planet Pterodon. Yeah. But now there are, there are more excuses now for you to get back into those lizards. So think about it as you're, as you're painting that one mini that you're going to half paint today, as you're listening to this podcast, think about buying 20 lizards in a box. Think about buying a couple boxes of lizards. You get a big lizard, some small lizards. Uh, the point is, yeah, most of us have, <laughs> for all kinds of reasons, most of us do have a backlog that is going to be very hard to ever zero out. Absolutely. Um, short, short of selling stuff. Um, sure. And I know, I know you have a solution to this where you do like to sell stuff and that's yeah. uh, probably healthy. Yeah, yeah. I like, I feel like it is um, sometimes because it's, you know, it is freeing to like, uh, like I, I won't sell any of my original stuff, like my armies, anything that's fully completed um, that I've put Good. a lot of time into. Like I, I definitely don't think that anybody should sell their original stuff. But if you're buying something on eBay with the express thought of like, I'm going to flip this and resell it, then you can kind of approach that as like, I can experiment and do kind of fun things on this model. And then as long as I get my money back, I feel pretty good Mm -hmm. about it. Um, Yeah. And that's, that's been pretty awesome for me. Um, You know, make, make a little bit of extra cash sometimes, you know, it goes for more than what I bought it for and. I'm able to buy more minis and flip those or, you know, add to my personal collection or armies or whatever. Um, you know, doing that, I still have an insane amount of like brand new stuff in boxes that hasn't mm-hmm. even been opened. Um, and that pile yep. just continues to grow <laughs> and I don't see it stopping anytime soon. I mean, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that. Like if, if you can afford to do that, then by all means, like buy the cool stuff you want. Um, yeah. Don't ever expect that you're going to actually paint it all. Right. You know? Right. And in some ways it's like having like a, a personal library, you know, yeah, yeah. like uh, having, having the ability to say, you know, I want to paint today. Mm-hmm. What do I want to paint today? Yeah, you I know what? I want to start it. I want to start a new project and, uh, Oh, I, I got an idea and I think I have that many, like it's, it it's kind of nice mm-hmm. to to have a supply of different projects available for you right at your fingertips that you can get to and so it's it's uh in that respect it's not a bad thing to have a, a big collection of unpainted minis like you got you always are able to kind of take that inspiration right when it's fresh and and grab something you know a rainy yeah. day you're not going to leave the house but whew. I've got some squigs here. Like, let's, yeah. There's no bad day to paint squig. Yeah, you you can't sleep one night. You've just been thinking about the the salamanders chapters of, mm-hmm. of Space Marine, and whew, you got you got an idea. You got you you got a green you want to try out, right. and you've got 
particularly well, right here I've, I've got primaris and i've got tactical right here which is it gonna be like you know <laughs> do you ever have those Dude, thoughts like late at night like legitimately like i've you know i've been wandering around or doing something late at night and li- like literally for salamander specifically thought like how would i how would i paint that like dark skin tone like what would i do mm-hmm. you know and i'm like it's been an hour and i'm thinking about this thing it's like i didn't I didn't actually go and try it. I've just been thinking about it. <laughs> it's a weird thing. What's well, um? I mean, that's what a hobby is. It's it's something that that does kind of take hold of of your mind when you're not working on it. Yeah. And that's that's somewhere on the list of things that qualify as an addiction. Also, for sure. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Something you think about, think about during work, think about when you wake up, like think yeah. about. <laughs> starts to have negative effect on other aspects of your life. Well, okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's somewhere on the on the border of of passion and addiction, but it's it's not it, a bad thing it, to it have something that you thin thin line. <laughs> but no, it's it's good to have stuff that you love and that you think about and and yeah. So I for all the people with massive backlogs, I will I will defend it enough to say that it is awesome to always have access to a variety of bits. If you are if you are working on a model and you think it would be awesome to have a a body or a skull or a, or a piece mm-hmm. of junk or or whatever, it is awesome to be able to go into your bits closet and uh, pull <laughs> yeah. out pull out a sweet part that's going to make your model look cool and. It's not bad to have that that library or that stock, that variety. Like that's that's not terrible. But again, like talking about thin lines, like there is like a line where it becomes a hoard, where mm-hmm. maintaining your collection becomes a serious problem, where you're paying rent or mortgage for a decent number of square feet that is occupied with boxes and totes yeah. of models and supplies and dirt and yeah like and literally sand dirt and, in jars. and dried plate <laughs> dried plants and, yeah um so yeah i mean there there is a point where where storage and maintenance of your collection becomes a serious concern because if you are trying to do something in your closet and it's overflowing with boxes of minis mm-hmm, like that mm-hmm. uh you know, everything in everything in moderation or I don't know, just just got to right. you got to keep it under control to a degree. There yeah. comes a point where you want to do something else with your basement or right. <laughs> ha- have some room to store some other stuff down there. Yeah. So. So, yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about about storage. We've we've rationalized why you might have a big backlog and say and we'll go with the. We'll go with it is okay to have a lot of figurines. We all we all love minis. We love this stuff. Um, any any hobby has paraphernalia and gear. It is okay to yeah. have a collection of cool stuff that you love. But let's try to try to have it manageable. Have it so that you can condense it down into a reasonable amount of space. Whatever you yeah. believe reasonable to me <laughs> in this situation, um, but also be accessible. Um, I, I do it's, think it's, accessibility is, is probably yeah. the most important part of storage in general. 
Yeah. yeah, it's it's one thing to know that you definitely have 10 boar boys somewhere, and then it's another thing to actually be able to go and find all 10 of those boar boys, yeah. like, within within 10 minutes of realizing that you want to paint one. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, because if you can't immediately, you're, yeah. you're, that moment's passed. Yeah, it, it is good to be aware that you've already bought a Forge World model before, um, yeah. or, or to know that somewhere you have 20 marauders. But if you can't find those 20 marauders, that's they're not they're not giving you joy. They're giving you frustration as you right. dig through yeah. like all your vampires and can't find those marauders <laughs> like 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 just moving jars of dirt and dried plants around. And where are those marauders? And they're not in this tote. They're, they're not in this tote. Maybe I put them in this one. Like there's what about this box on the bottom of the stack? Like, uh, yeah, there's some marker. There's some marker on that box, but I'm pretty sure that's from the last time I moved. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely say that it's cool to have a large co large collection, but you got to keep it organized and you got to know where stuff is. So, yeah. All right, Casey, teach me how to do this. Like, what do you got? How to uh, how to how to organize your closet? <laughs> yeah. Help yeah. me, Casey. <laughs> well, let's see here. Um, I have zero organization in this closet other than uh, <laughs> this was, it's very Casey, important. You came up, Casey, you came up with the topic for this podcast. You're <laughs> right. <I did. laughs> was it because you needed advice? A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm drowning here, man. I'm drowning in boxes. It's killing me. I don't know how to paint. <laughs> sell them, sell them all before it's too late. Oh, <laughs> see, and I feel bad for that though. And and it's not that I don't have organization. I do have some. Like I've got, you know, the nice plastic bins that I can see into, which I think is important. You can see it directly. Yeah. Um yeah. all of my grass and sand and rocks are all separated. You know, so I've got my terrain stuff separate. Mm -hmm. Um mm -hmm. I have an IKEA drawer that I absolutely hate. Uh, behind me that has a boatload <laughs> of stuff in it that that's separated you know into bits and that kind of thing that's just going to be an ongoing theme i think thank you <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> seemed like a good idea at the time right. but then it just keeps wearing on you yeah, and, uh, yeah. exactly it does too. it's yeah. just like every time yeah. i try and close a drawer all of a sudden like i don't know a screw in the back caught on and somehow it unscrewed itself so <laughs> it's a whole other thing but yeah, like I, I tend to keep the boxes that the models come in and store the bits in those boxes because it's already marked. You know, I don't have to have a clear okay, box or have to okay. mark it or, or put anything down. Like I could be better at organizing those boxes. Um, you know, I use a lot of them for display purposes, but I, I have strategically placed my boxes behind me so that if I turn around, I can quickly access specific bits that I want. So... For me specifically, like my space is fairly small and I've set everything up around me within arm's distance. Like I can reach all of my bits without really moving. And that, that does help. Like if you're, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're in a basement, then, you know, you're going to start to have piles and stacks and that can get a little bit overwhelming. Um, you can have bits from all sorts of different things and not even know, like I have a box of skulls somewhere, but they're so small. You know, how do you, how do you keep that <laughs> stuff separate? 
So I actually do have a fair number of thoughts on this. I, I was giving you crap earlier, but I, oh, I, I actually <laughs> do have some storage suggestions that I that I uh, stand by here. Yeah. So I've found plastic bags, like just uh, Ziploc sandwich bags, to be one of the most important tools. Oh yeah. For I I have come to find that clear boxes and clear bags are some of the most important stuff that you can have. Yeah. And so my system, I have a lot of kind of like bigger Tupperware boxes, not not the full totes, but like uh, like 15 inches or something like that, like the a little bit more than than a foot per side and mm-hmm. I don't know, eight inches deep or something. But I have a, a series of those and you can put a lot of stuff in terms of minis, minis can, can condense down to fit a lot in one of those boxes. Yeah. And the fact that they are clear is the most important part. Yes. And and you can especially put a lot of stuff in them if you have like a whole bunch of Ziploc bags. And sometimes I use like sandwich bags. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes I use like even smaller, like uh, uh, drug bags, you might call them. Sure. Like, ti- like tiny Ziploc bags. Little, like if you have a pile there. of skulls, put those in a small Ziploc bag. Yeah. And chuck them into your clear plastic bin. And then also in that plastic bin, you can have a baggie for all your bolter guns and all your whatever else. Um, and so I found that the the plastic, especially for bits, like a little plastic bag provides enough protection, especially if the only other thing in the yeah. box is other plastic bags. If you're really worried, you can fill it with a little bit of air, but normally you don't need to. Um, I've never had a bit just randomly break in a bag, like sitting right, in a drawer, you right, know? <laughs> right. When I've when I've needed to seriously condense, I I do take stuff off the sprue. Mm-hmm. Um especially especially for kits where they're not like numbered bits that go right. only go together it's, it's in a certain way. Specific kinds of, of kits. The older kits especially. Um, the older kits, like, like yeah. You can put any torso on any right. set of legs yeah. and yeah, any arms on the torso and you're good to go. Those days are so gone. <laughs> those those days are gone, but for for a lot of our collections, that's what they are. True. Yeah. Um still so many for yeah, for all the old Dark Eldar warriors, you take all the bits off, you put all the bits in the same bag, yeah. and you can you know you any of them will go together. Yeah, right. that's a left arm. You put it on the left side right. of the torso, Only you're good to go. Yeah. Right. Um <laughs> For actually, for the newer Dark Eldar kit, like some of the torsos go together, like a little bit weird, or I think like right, the right, yeah. like the hips or something. Yeah, it's like this, this torso. They don't all go specifically. Yeah. Right, and so I I did, you know, I did have a time where I cut all those off the sprue, and it, and then I had to spend like a good long <laughs> while like figuring <laughs> out how you know how to put them together. <laughs> Oh, or or oh. it or for me it was like sitting there like a puzzle of them all laid out and then yes. you know okay okay if these ones go together then yes. do these ones go together <laughs> and do these ones go together <laughs> and then like the last two pieces I have left oh these do not go together all right try it out they're a different combo but I've I've um, sat there and done that before <laughs> I've taken those bits and I've laid them out and thought to myself yes process of elimination I will figure out what bits go together what ends yeah. up happening about two minutes <laughs> later is I get an exacto knife and I make it fit. <laughs> And then, mm-hmm. and then when I run into the piece that's supposed to go with the other piece, whatever, I will make that piece fit. And that's it. Well, worst case, that box of ten warriors becomes <laughs> nine warriors and right. some extra bits. And like, some extra bits. 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> and some someday those extra bits will be good. But yes. Um. But yeah, you for the most part, you can do a lot of condensing by taking stuff off the sprue as long as you know what it goes to, putting it in little plastic right, bags, right. putting the plastic bags in a in a larger clear bin. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the suggestions that I went hard in uh, several years ago, oh, sure. but eventually regretted was like the tackle boxes, the the clear. Those are tough. The clear yeah. like uh, single layer tackle boxes that a, a lot of people recommend. They're yeah, exactly. I found that they just waste too much space. Like you can, you know, they they have the little dividers so that you have uh, tackle box dividers, and you can have exactly the right amount of space for your for your heads and your guns and your space marine helmets, whatever. But there's a lot of wasted space inside that hard plastic shell. Yeah. Like, you you know, you have the little three-dimensional rectangle there that's going to be your, your slot for putting all your bolters in, and you're only going to fill that, like, maybe a quarter full right, exactly. before you say, a lot of waste okay, of and then there. and then this, this next little divider, I'm going to put the the other arm in or the the yeah. torsos in and it's kind of nice because you know that that one tackle box has all your space marine bits and they're nicely divided by what part of the body they are and so it's it's organized and as long as you know where that tackle box is like it's pretty easy to to access your library yeah but it takes a lot of space if you're going to if you're going to buy you know, one of those bins for every different uh, model kit right. that you have, or or what have you. Like, there's a there's a lot of wasted space in those hard uh, tackle box kits, and I did go like hard into those at one point mm-hmm. a few years back. Like, I bought you know ten of those yeah. Walmart or Target tackle boxes, and I put a bunch of bits in there. And then I had a big stack of tackle boxes, and a lot of it is empty space. And then yeah. you're like, okay, but I have these other bits, and do it. And of course, it has all it's these, um, yeah, all the all these are like weird little stressors, like like. <laughs> I'm not. I don't think I'm obsessive compulsive, but like there are like kind of some OCD stressors of like. Uh, but now there's like an entirely empty cell in right. this tackle box. <laughs> or is it okay to put a couple of Eldar heads in with a dark Eldar kit? Oh, like, can I do no. that? Can I split? Can I split my Eldars across a couple of different tackle See, boxes? I would or, think, oh, no, I would think that's not yes, good. Because <laughs> those Eldar heads in a dark Eldar kit, you could be like, well, maybe, maybe this guy, maybe he's got a severed Eldar head. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's why I put the bits in there. Or, or maybe it's going to be under his That's foot the or problem. Around. Yeah, that's the problem. Is because you got you get all these reasons, you got all these pros and all these cons <laughs> against putting the Eldar with the Dark Eldar, and then like your <laughs> your sorting day becomes like you've filled up two tackle boxes out of your giant collection right. because you've just been arguing yourself <laughs> with yourself about whether or not these bits go in these tackle boxes, or or you filled up all you know 
you bought yourself 10 of these trays and you filled them all up and then you realize you still have like more than half of your collection left to go and you're like yeah all right i'll reorganize these i'll put the left and the right arms into the same <laughs> cell of these tackle boxes and then yeah. it just i don't know any organizing any collection like that these are the little little thoughts that go through your head but right yeah. uh so Getting getting back to my original point, that's why I like little plastic bags. Yeah. So so you can have all of your left arms in one tiny bag, all your right arms in a tiny bag, all your heads in a tiny bag. And then if those are all in the same kit, you can throw all those tiny bags, which compress to basically no volume, yeah. into a sandwich bag. So you have a sandwich bag with all your uh, Dark Eldar warriors, and it's all neatly Separated subdivided again. within yeah. there. And it's clear, and you can basically see from looking at the sandwich bag, like, oh yeah, these are these are my dark elder work, or you could even write it on the side of the bag. But and then that compresses down nicely, and then you can put that into uh, a larger container, which yeah. is also clear, so that you can see, oh yeah, this is this is the container that has a whole bunch of those sandwich bags in it. With uh, yeah, I think yeah, this is my dark eldar box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are these are my dark eldar. Yeah, something in here. quick, and you can see inside. You so see spiky bits. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I recognize that bayonet that's going to snap yeah. immediately. <laughs> but but I stand by it in those little plastic baggies. It will not snap. Right. Plastic bags and plastic bags in plastic bags in a clear hard case is snap. a is a very good way of of storing, um, especially unassembled. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, I liked for that. But even even assembled minis that are like unpainted, you can do the same kind of bags in a in a hard yeah. plastic container. I, I still like that system. Um, what about what do you do for painted minis, Casey? Um, so there are a couple things I do for painted minis. Um, a while back, I got a DVD case that that has glass on the front and the shelves removable. With you know, like a stand with all with all the little with all the tiny little shelves yeah. for each DVD. Yeah. yeah. OK. Yeah. So like I move the shelves up so that some of my because I have some like taller models, you know, they go on the bottom and then I separated them by faction on each shelf, you know, and you can see them. That's like a locked cabinet kind of thing. Uh, it's nice for display. So it's like a really it's like a really tall, thin yeah. cabinet. Yeah. Or or is it like um is it double stacked so there's like two uh, columns of DVDs or is it just like one so it's like one um, standing column of DVD boxes? Yeah, so there's it's like a it's probably five feet tall. OK. And like the width of a, a DVD case, you know, in, in okay. depth. And then it just sure, has sure, two sure. like folding drawers uh, or uh, doors that like cabinet doors that go on the outside. Um, hmm. Yeah, and it just sits kind of like a bookshelf. Uh, right interesting yeah. oh man they you know some of those have them so that the dvds or the cds or whatever are at an angle but you found one where they're where it's, it's like flat. horizontal shelving yeah oh wow that's i had never thought about that that's pretty clever i like that yeah so yeah you can put in yeah. huh it's always interesting when like a 
a type of storage or technology is being phased out and all of a sudden you can get that stuff for really cheap or, or yes. on the side of the road. And, yeah. Um, you know, there was the, the period of time where there were a bunch of CRTs on the side of the road <laughs> and then there were, yeah. and then there were a bunch of those like old projection screen oh, TVs they, like, on the side of the road. TVs. <laughs> yeah. see those everywhere yeah. still. Giant 32 yeah. inch screen or whatever. Yeah. I had a, um, I had a 32 inch, it might have even been bigger. It was like 42 inch uh, CRT TV. It's whatever been in my they garage were, yeah. forever. Uh, and I've been trying to get rid of it and nobody will take it. Like I finally, um, I finally found a company who was willing to just kind of ignore it and take it away. Um, but I had okay. to bury it in a pile of garbage so that they didn't really <laughs> see it to begin with and they already made the agreement. So they got there and they're just like, well, yes, we'll take it. <laughs> like you said you would. You said you would. I have a piece of paper that you signed. <laughs> so yeah, it took a while, man. Nobody wants those things. Like this is no oh, wonder you find of them course. on the side of the road. <laughs> yeah. And then I think we're still in the phase where People are slowly getting the the giant like hutches that TVs go in, like yeah, the entertainment yeah. system cabinets, mm -hmm. like the. I mean, sometimes they're like built out of nice oak or whatever, and they have like the big square where your big oh, TV yeah. goes. There's like you know tons of supports underneath, but then there's mm -hmm. all the shelves for your your VCR player and your DVD right. player and and all My that stuff. Have one and yeah, but. It's it's interesting. It's interesting when these things get phased out, and then yeah. they're nobody has a good use for them. But if you can find a clever use for them, like you feel like yeah. a genius, and you can get as many of them as you want, <laughs> right. like, um, like we're we're finally at the point where it's you're not seeing a ton of CRT TVs on the side of the road anymore. Right. But five. Five years ago, you absolutely could have as many CRTs as you wanted from like an afternoon of driving around yeah, your town. Like, uh, and I think I think we're getting to that point now with those DVD shelves. Yes, because. I mean, DVDs are still being sold, but fewer and fewer people are buying them and yeah more and more people are just getting rid of their collections and getting digital. rid of those. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. And these, these things happen, but if you can find like a clever use for that old technology, anyway, <laughs> I, I had never thought of like those DVD racks as being good for anything anymore. Yes. And so you just blew my mind. That's why I went <laughs> off on this little tangent here. But oh, yeah. uh, what I'm trying to say is, Casey, that makes me so happy that you have found a way to make an old DVD rack into a maze. <laughs> and it actually sounds perfect. It's, so it's fantastic. You have. Yeah. Did you. So what are you? Are you using DVD cases as your shelves? No, like, no, they're, using, it's, uh, it's all made out of, of fairly nice wood. Um, you know, it's like a cherry stained wood with nice glass and some like filigree on it. Um, mm -hmm. the shelves are wood. They just sit, you know, just like, uh, any cabinet wood and they're adjustable. Oh, okay. I, I was imagining a, I was imagining a different design, but that is also a good, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking of like the, do you know the, almost like a CD tower? Of, yeah. Where it's, 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 it's of the, of yes. the, yeah, the case itself is you know they got just the little ridges on the yeah, side the uprights yeah. that that kind of hold each case and so i was thinking of one of those but 
what what you have there also sounds awesome yeah. um well i mean i've seen i i have had a couple of those uh the the kind you're talking about without the slanted yeah, the, slots in which case yeah you okay, could slide yeah, a piece like of like card hor- horizontal or, slots yeah, yeah yeah um i mean you could even get some glass cuts so that you have like an awesome little shelf oh, yeah. that's, that's what i had in my mind yeah. but no so um the one i have is also like i'm saying it's like five feet tall um you know depth mm-hmm. of a dvd but the width mm-hmm. it's like uh three and a half feet wide so they're long shelves okay. and so okay. i can fill each shelf yeah with stuff yeah that's great so that's so that's for storage 20%. and display like that that's great yeah. so because you can you can see what's in there because you got the glass and also dust protection is is a pretty important thing yeah. like if you're going to display your minis you want to have that enclosed yeah. uh dust builds up in any house or apartment and i don't know if there's a good way to get them off minis really dust about, paper. Mm-hmm. okay okay <laughs> all right but uh no that that sounds great casey you get yeah that's awesome yeah i also uh i also you, use have you thought about putting boxes. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Like shot glass display. Mm-hmm. Um, flat shelves. Yeah. That's that's something to look at every time I'm in a craft store. Mm-hmm. Like I, I go in there and I get whatever stupid thing that I had in mind. And then I walk around the whole rest of the store for, you know, Michael's or yeah. Hobby Lobby or whatever. And I almost always like after I get through the dried flower section, like I make my way over to the, the shadow boxes and the, I know exactly. You know, like I could see it in my right. mind, like, cause they're probably laid out very similarly across States. Oh yeah. Like, oh I know yeah. Exactly I know what they're doing. You're taking right now. <laughs> <laughs> I take the same journey. Yeah. Past the frames. Uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's so funny. Oh. Um, Anyways, continue. Well, no, I just the the shadow boxes and and of course the like little pieces of paper they have in there for promotion. It's like this is where you can put your sports shot glasses right, yes. and your your signed uh, baseballs and your signed footballs <laughs> and uh, yeah. and I'm just like ah shot glass is pretty similar dimensions to uh, like a reaver, yeah. yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> You're just trying to think about that height, like. I almost want to bring yeah. you and just be like, is this going to fit? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I do that. That always cracks me up when I, when I walk into a store with like, uh, something for size comparison. Sure. So, so sometimes they go into stores with, uh, you know, a mini with like a magnet on the base. Oh yeah. So we'll, we'll get to this later, but I, I like to store my minis using magnets on their bases. Mm-hmm. That's a really convenient thing for me. Um, we'll talk about cake pans later though, but you know, if I'm, if I'm going into a store to, to look for something that my minis can stick to, you know, some, some grades of steels are, are, are ferromagnetic mm-hmm. and some stainless steels are not right. like the, the nicest stainless steels, the, you can't stick a magnet to it. Yeah. It doesn't work. And so if you are shopping for something to stick your magnetized minis to, you you gotta, you gotta have that magnet with you in the store so you can kind of like stick it to you stuff. Sure. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so this example is more like when I'm, you know, in the, in the home supply and, and cooking part of Walmart or whatever, yeah. going up to the cake pans <laughs> and trying to stick my, uh, 
warrior of corn to onto the cake pans and Walmart and stuff. Uh And you should always wash any cooking implement that you get from a store. Always. Yeah. Yeah. Because you don't know, you know, who's been touching it with like weird perfumes, who's been touching it with warriors of corn or or demon kind. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Handling it. Yeah. But, uh, Probably yeah, <laughs> it, it always cracks me up. I, I still love going to, a, you know, a craft store with, you know, different types of nerds. They're, you yeah, know, they're, yeah. you, you got your, you got your scrapbookers and you got your knitters and, you know, whatever, whatever crafts the church ladies are doing mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm in there with like a pocket full of warriors <laughs> and like, Who's yeah, that? Uh, I've got dwarves in my pocket to see if they're <laughs> actually no, dwarves. Dwarves aren't quite what you want for for measuring out a shadow box. You want right. You need you want something with taller. like a battle axe yeah. held over their head. That, that has been a problem with the shadow boxes. Like I can yeah. fit most normal infantry yeah. into shadow boxes, but anything taller, like or if that yeah, if that sword is raised or anything like that, like yeah, I'm screwed. So. You got an you got an orc with a big axe over their yes. head, and and that's taller than a shot glass. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So it, yeah. you know it's nice for some things. Like I, I put like active stuff in there that I uh, used to be right above my desk. I had I had three of them, three of those like displays. So it's like, okay, well here's projects that I've started painting, right? So I can just reach up, open it. They're not dusty. Uh, they've been protected. Nobody's been touching them except for me. There's not like you know, grease on them or whatever. Um, so it's, it's easy enough to just pick up and grab and it's a, a quick storage solution. That's, that's again within, uh, arm's reach, you know, it's right there on the wall. So, uh, that's usually what I use them for. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, do you have, uh, lights in any of your setups right now? LEDs? Like, no, uh, I wish I did. You know, sometimes, a. Get, get some nice track lighting that kind of points yeah, at your shadow yeah. boxes from, from, oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's the well, goal. Yeah, there, so for, that'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Build a new studio. Sell the stupid pool table. <laughs> hey, first things first. <laughs> yep. But uh, there are, there are a lot of options out there for like display cases. Um, you know, even like China display cases from antique China cabinets or hutches yeah. or or whatever you call them, like can be converted. Um, long before there were space Marines, there were little Dishes. old ladies with their China collections <laughs> and their, their hummels and their tiny spoons. Uh, garden gnomes that got to live in yeah, it's tiny spoons. <laughs> there. Dale Earnhardt commemorative NASCAR <laughs> plates. Like, you could do a lot. Actually, that's that. that's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Did our podcast just get canceled? I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Things you can fit in a China Hutch episode three. <laughs> NASCAR memorabilia. Now you got to be careful yeah. of them tires. Hobbies, <laughs> hobbies right. that we don't share and have decided to make fun of today. <laughs> yeah, people with China. Cabinets. <laughs> Of course, you know, like a couple of years from now, one of us is going to get really interested in tiny spoons, though. Like there's going to be. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> somehow I'll, uh, I'll have those commemorative tiny spoons and I'll visit every state and find one. And, you know, I don't know what I'll do with it. 
hang them. They they make these funky little. I got my Memphis spoon. Them. Yeah, <laughs> my Memphis spoon. <laughs> I ate peanut butter and bananas with that <laughs> Memphis spoon. You're not supposed to use them, Casey. <laughs> Display only. <laughs> What's the point? I don't understand. You just you just tanked the resale value. <laughs> I gotta I gotta somewhere else. I'll like eat eat something with that spoon. It'll be this whole thing <laughs> resale value. <laughs> you you try to. Does eBay have rules about uh, people showing up in pictures of of items that are for sale? I mean, I think I think they might be a little upset if you were actively licking the spoon you were trying to sell. Well, that's what I was thinking of. That's what I was thinking of. Like right. your your cover photo is like a nice picture of your uh, Memphis spoon, <laughs> and then like picture two is just this moron licking like peanut butter. <laughs> Genuine peanut butter has been on this spoon. <laughs> um. oh, no. Uh, yeah, they might be a little upset about that. Um, uh, spread of disease is, uh, is pretty serious these days. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't even know if they would do anything about that. I, I suppose you'd have to then, with that picture, convince someone to actually pay you money to buy it. Well, this is a whole other topic. We're going to have an episode on eBay For someday. Sure. But, like... Yeah. I think, you know, we all have our mental images of, you know, a, a very bland version of the person you're buying from on an eBay auction. Oh, yeah. But like, yeah, they are blank. But faces. the person you're buying from is probably far stranger than, yeah. than what you have in your mind. Yeah. Maybe that's like a good a, call then. I'll just I'll just get all these commemorative like ghostly and... figure with like a smooth face. <laughs> yes, like, exactly. you, don't, you don't really know who you're buying from. But yeah, how weird would eBay be if like every every account that you bought from had like a smiling picture right. of like the, the strange well, man that, on the other Facebook side. Did, with the... <laughs> that's literally what Facebook oh, did. Yeah. The uncraigslisted Craigslist. Like I can look at people and look at their profile now, unless they've set it to a hundred percent private, which like nobody does. Um, mm -hmm. I can go in and be like, okay, are you going to murder me or not? Like, no. Okay. You seem like a not murdery type of person. I'll meet you in a back alley and sell you this thing out of my trunk. Like no problem. <laughs> like it's made Craigslist much more fun. This is a different episode. <laughs> Get into the collectability of spoons and <laughs> the dangers of meeting people on Craigslist. I like it. Mm-hmm. Well, in that case, well, then, I'm gonna, uh, gonna write this down for later. Right. But, um, but yeah, for for display of minis, there are a lot of there are a lot of options out there that were not originally conceived of for displaying minis. Absolutely. You got your your DVD collections, where you can replace with your uh, your orc collections, your orc, your goblin collections. Yeah. You got uh, your china hutches, your spoon, the spoon. Oh. Hutches. <laughs> My mom collects freaking, or she did anyways. <laughs> like they're just hanging on the wall, on a little hanger. Hey, see if she still wants them. Maybe you can auction those off. Like selling. this, this just got real. Yeah. <laughs> Put that to the test. But later. Uh, what about what about for like deep storage? Deep do storage. You, yeah. Do you have any painted minis that uh, you just don't have room for in your case, and so you put? You put deeper or like half painted minis that you're not going to get around to for a while. What, what do you do with those guys? So being in a closet, um, 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've pretty much cleaned out all of the shelves in this closet and put miniatures on them. So, like, if you're watching this on the, the YouTube channel, then you'll kind of be able to see what I'm talking about. If not, just, you know, theater of the mind, you know. Um, I'm surrounded by shelves that go from floor to ceiling, and there's probably a good foot and a half in between each shelf. And this goes all the way up to the ceiling. In the video itself, it kind of cuts off up here. And that's what, like four feet up in the air? Everything above that. How many shelves are above your head? Uh, let's see, three shelves above my head. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And they are filled with miniatures <laughs> just on the shelf. Like, not in boxes. Oh. Like, ones that are, like, halfway through oh, projects okay. and stuff. Um, the rest are in the boxes they came in, whether or not they're uh, usually not assembled. Um, like, all the bits, like I said earlier, it's, like, anything that belongs in that box goes in that box, right? Um, so I do know where everything is. That's mostly deep storage is, is being on this shelf in here. Um and I, I do move them around from time to time just to kind of make sure they're not getting ruined, like they're not getting dusty or anything. Like, luckily, being in kind of an enclosed area with not a whole lot of airflow, unless I open the door and turn the fans on that I have, uh, there's not a ton of dust in here, which is has been pretty nice. So that that's is usually nice. how that's... I keep my stuff, yeah. Yeah, that's just luck, really, whether or not you have a dusty house yeah. or not. Well, the house I lived or at in least before. That's, that's my understanding like, of architecture and. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay, so another storage option or technique that I like is cake pans, like mm-hmm. steel-bottomed cake pans that have the the plastic covering that goes over the top. I really like those because I like to have my magnets or my minis on magnets. <laughs> yeah. So I glue magnets to the underside of the bases. And then then my minis can stick to my painting handles. They can stick to cake pans. They can stick to the inside of steel lunch boxes. And so it gives some interesting options for storage and transport. And one nice thing about magnets for storage is that you're not rubbing the mini against foam or anything like that. Yeah. As long as the mini is sticking down to a surface and staying put there it's not rubbing against other minis it's not rubbing against foam um especially since you know i've said dark eldar a lot during this podcast but that is a big part of my collection is dark eldar models and yeah they have they have spikes and thin bayonets and all kinds of stuff like that and when that sticks into foam and then you pull them out of foam you've broken off your weird ear blade thing on the helmet and that's not going to glue right again. <laughs> yeah, I've broken several skeleton warriors that way. They're like real sure. fiddly, uh spears, especially. And I, I keep those sure. in foam. I, I didn't mention that. Yeah, actually, I have <laughs> um, I have some Feldar foam cases that are like pluck foam, okay. you know, for bigger things. Um, yeah. And I also have the, what is it, the Citadel, whatever the big, the big case that they sell. Um, the super huge mm-hmm. army transport one. Okay. I have um, a couple of the, of the older Citadel or games workshop cases, like the, the, the black ones, ones that yeah. are, yeah, they're, I think there's three layers of foam in there, but there's, mm-hmm. it's kind of a traditional look to them. And I've had, a an army transport by 
Sabbath or something, or maybe it's by just Army Transporter. I don't know. I've, I've had I've had foam before. I've used yeah. foam before, and certainly for some minis, it works well. Mm-hmm. For for any of the more solid minis, like a Space Marine, oh yeah, transports well. Yes, like they are they are glued to their base on big old boots. Normally, two big old boots glued to the base, yeah. and there is no thin part or. Sp- or particularly spiky part on that model, <laughs> yeah. just just big, thick, meaty thighs and arms and shoulders, and their their head fits right down in there. There's, you know, even even their gun is thick and is not gonna break no matter what you yeah. do to it. So so yeah, put those in foam, no problem. There's nothing gonna get stuck in the foam, and um, normally they don't even have any like really long bits to them, like spears that kind of go outside the little rectangle of the foam or anything yeah, like that. Yeah. So some, some minis transport really well in foam. Um, but a lot of the stuff I've had, I really do like the magnet system mm-hmm. where you stick a magnet down to a, or yeah, you stick the mini on a magnet down to a flat surface and have it be touching nothing. Those spikes are yeah. just touching air. It's just the, you know, surface of the base touching steel is the only point of contact. And of course it depends, you know, if you're using that for transport, you have to be careful because you can knock the the magnet off the base or you can knock the mm-hmm. base off of the steel bottom and then just have a lot of stuff rattling around in your case, right, which isn't yeah. good. But for for straight out storage, I really like cake pans. They're the height of a cake pan is just about right for most infantry, even if they're like holding a sword up or something. Mm-hmm. For for some of the like standard bearers, it's you know, the cake pan maybe isn't quite high enough for some standard bearers, and so maybe then you have to put it on like the side of the pan facing inward or something like that. Yeah, but I mean, or, still or just store it, right? Or or store it somewhere else. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which which works, which works. You can do that. That's really cool. Um so when thinking about you know storage and how I've condensed down a pretty big collection into a manageable collection, mm-hmm. one of the ways I do that for my assembled minis at least is use cake pans. And I do have um, one eh, smallish display case where I can put my finished minis and the minis that I've put on my YouTube channel and I'm proud of, my, my painted minis that I like, I do have a case for those. But the vast majority of my built minis are in cake pans. And most of them are like built and primed or they have a, yeah. a coat of paint from the airbrush or something where I'm where I'm playing around with ideas, but not quite ready to finish a particular mini. So that's where a lot of my stuff is right now is halfway through completion in the idea phase, still thinking about what I want to do with it. Um, but anyway, those pans, they stack up nicely. So I have some shelves behind me where I sit and talk and on each shelf, I can fit like four cake pans on top of each other. And as long as I label the side of the pans, it's yeah, pretty decent organization, actually. That's, that's pretty great. I mean, uh, that's a, that's a really good idea. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you have a, you have a video on your channel, don't you about magnetizing and transportation, right? I do. Yeah, yep. okay. Um, so I I am very much in the mindset of putting a magnetized base on every one of my yeah, minis. Model, yeah. um, I also use it I also use those for holding the minis. Right, so yeah. I do I do have a couple of games workshop mini holders, mm-hmm. but 
the thing I use mostly is a piece of wood with a magnet glued to the top right. for, for holding my minis because all my bases have a magnet on them. So, so it works, but, um, and there, there's a whole other topic, but, Magnetizing. Uh, yeah, I've, I've gone pretty deep in on like eBay, Chinese neodymium magnets right. and <laughs> over the course of a couple of years, I bought a, a bunch of different sizes and, and found some stuff that works for, for my bases. And yeah. uh, that's, that's just become like a thing. Like every once in a while I'll lay out a hundred bases and I'll get uh, some of that two-part epoxy and I'll oh, just yeah. go through go. and I'll make like a hundred magnetized bases so that I have a supply ready for when I'm building my next project. And that's pretty yeah. smart, man. That is pretty smart. Yeah. Cause I, uh, I have bases laying around that, yeah, they're not doing anything and I don't have magnets mm -hmm. on anything. Um, yeah, I don't even, I don't even know where to start with that. Well, I mean, it, I'm not saying that everyone should magnetize their stuff, like, but it can be pretty convenient. Yeah, yeah. There's pluses and minuses. You have to buy magnets for all your <laughs> right. minis is, is one of the minuses. You know, some of the times it, it wouldn't necessarily be convenient. Um, you can't be, like, putting your, your minis on top of your computer or anything like that because you got just very strong magnets magnet attack. Do not yeah, like when I'm just walking around the room like don't hold your phone and your mini in the same <laughs> hand like don't, <laughs> um yeah yeah, yeah. don't I mean, there, don't have some, your minis too close to your camera <laughs> like yeah there's yeah, pluses and minuses to everything but on, on the whole for spiky minis yeah i like for spiky I like minis, minis on in the particular yeah. yeah that foam really can yeah. can wreck that and it'll rub your paint off and that kind of thing um, mm -hmm. I mean, that certainly goes into like picking an army or picking models that you, you know, want to transport or keep safely is like, do you want, do you want to pick something that is fiddly that will probably break or do you want to pick some beefy space Marines, you know, like that, I think that that's normally pretty far down on the list of things people are thinking about, but <laughs> that's what I think. maybe when you get into like, you know, Skitari or something like right, that yeah. with their yeah super, super spindly uh, and then yeah. they've yeah as we're recording this it wasn't that long ago that we saw pictures of Skitari cavalry mm -hmm. jumping around yeah. which is spindly connected to spindly like robot horse legs that are yeah. you know one foot of the thin robot <laughs> horse leg is talking touching the base and that that always that was always so weird it's like you understand these are going to be models that people have to transport and do things with. Like, why is there only one point of contact here? It makes mm -hmm. no sense at all. I mean, even mm -hmm. even like flying bases and stuff are just such a pain in the ass. It makes no yep. sense. Yep, yep, yep. Well, in in the vast reach that our podcast will have, we're just going to complain about this pretty frequently, mm -hmm. and you know, I see if see if these game companies, yeah. Straighten up. <laughs> so yeah, somebody somebody will reach out to us and be like, you know, we we make solutions for these things. <laughs> yeah. Or we worked hard on this cavalry. They look cool. Stop complaining. Yeah. Well, okay, I will give them that. Like those Skitari cavalry look awesome. Like they really look cool. Like even so much as like I don't play 40k. I don't collect almost any 40k. And I'm like, yeah, those, mm -hmm. look, uh, those look pretty nice. I could use those for something. <laughs> you know, a nice conversion, maybe some, uh, 
I don't know, some funky Nurgle something or other. They just look cool. I don't know. If if you make a cyborg creature with four legs, put at least two of the legs on the ground at with least. a decent surface area of contact. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe with like center of gravity and balance in mind too, you know? Like, yeah. Well, have you ever had to do that? Like, I mean, since you're putting magnets on, like you're you're kind of weighting that that bottom part a little bit that on that base. Yeah. So so there's some other like uh pros and cons like for these for minis that do have a really weak attachment to the base, mm-hmm. like pulling the mini off of the steel sheet, yeah. like the, the force oh, yeah. of pulling the magnet off of the steel sheet, I do have to be careful. So for some minis, I will, you know, try to grab them by the base and, and pick them up that way instead of just grabbing the, the chest or whatever and, and yeah. pulling up. Yeah. Um, of course, again, no worries for something built solid like a space marine. Like you yeah. just pick that up from any part and break the contact with the magnet in the base there. But yeah. Um, yeah. Complaining about spindly bits is that's a whole nother podcast too. Am I right? That down. Yeah. Like we got our, so far, so far all these podcasts we're doing are just create new ideas for more podcasts. I guess that's a good thing. Yeah. Stay tuned. There's yeah. a lot of great stuff coming up on this channel, but uh, spoilers, the spindly bits. If you have a suggestion for a podcast for us or some kind of topic, whatever that might be, that involves the hobby in some way, please let us know on our YouTube channel down in the comments. And don't forget to subscribe and hit that bell so you can get notifications hopefully every other Monday when we put these up. Do you just do that automatically now, Casey? Like, is that <laughs> is that habit? Like, <laughs> I don't know. It just it just came out. You know? Did you plan that? <laughs> no. <laughs> did you black out for a second and just like <laughs> I did? Just uh, a you, little you bit. You do have to say <laughs> <laughs> the YouTube thing just kind of kicked in. It's like hit that bell, do the thing. <laughs> I don't ever say that on my on my YouTube channel. What's What's the name of the YouTube channel that they should go to to subscribe to and ring the bell, Casey? That would be Paint Bravely. The podcast? Sure. I, I, is it? Yeah, I guess it is. Paint Bravely, the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, <laughs> I think we ruined this. <laughs> no, no, this is salvageable. Keep oh, yeah, going. Yeah, we're going to keep going. All right. Shush out. Don't shush. ever stop. Right. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> I wasn't planning on ending. Salvage I was just trying Casey. to give you like a. Like, Pull it yes, out. <laughs> let's talk about the comments section on our YouTube channel because this seems like a good place to do it. <laughs> Hold it together, Casey. All right, well, thank you for joining us on another episode of Paint Bravely. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help us out by leaving us a review on iTunes, subscribing to the YouTube channel, and sharing this message with your hobby friends. And as always, we appreciate you for listening, and we will talk to you next time. See you next time. All right, that was salvaged. Good work. <laughs> <laughs>